How many of you had power last night? How many of you didn't? A few standouts. <laughs> Were you guys a little bit cold last night, Jacob? Oh, you do? Oh, oh, okay. It was just rain. Okay. <laughs> Why were you over there when you had power at your house? Oh, yeah. How, how many uh, kind of right before the storm kind of saw a little bit of uh, people getting ready? Brent, run that really quick if you wouldn't mind. Uh, did you see some panicked folks, empty shelves, people trying to get... Uh, I, I went to go get some bottled water and all they had was ionized... Something. It wasn't even bottled water. It was the snow apocalypse. Snow apocalypse. Say that real quickly. Snow apocalypse. Yeah. You know. And uh, as you think about that, the question kept coming around: Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And that's a good question for us. That's a good question for us to assess: Are you ready? And that's a big question for us spiritually as well, because we want, to, uh, we want to be ready. Whether you're getting ready for a snowstorm and you're just looking at what uh, preparation you can, you can have, or if you're looking at the bigger picture, are you ready? How many times have you gone on a big vacation and you have to take some time to get ready? And you keep thinking and maybe talking with your spouse or your family, are you ready? You're asking your kids, are you ready for this uh, two-week trip? Are you ready? And asking those, have you worked out all the details? Have you packed? Have you got your travel insurance? Have you got your sunscreen? Have you got uh, all the preparation for the travel and everything included? Well, sometimes people are more prepared for a snowstorm or a family vacation than they are for God, for meeting the Lord, for being ready for their eternity. A lot of people just hope that things will work out. They're not really prepared. And I think today what we want to talk about is being ready. Since Michael couldn't make it, you know, the scripture says that that servants and pastors and leaders should be ready always in season and out of season. So I uh, didn't have a lot of time to, uh, to spend on this message, but it seemed like it resonated, especially with these memorial services later today and that, to talk about, are you ready? You know, God gives us time to be ready. You think about it. God gives us nine months in the womb to get ready for our outside-the-womb life. And then he gives us a chunk of years. It can be 20, 40, 60. In, in Don and Peggy's case, 90 and 95 years to live on this planet. But you know what that really is? That is preparation for real life. That is preparation for eternal life. That's preparation for the life to come. Many people miss the fact, miss the opportunity, and miss the blessing that we're here to get ready for an eternity with the Heavenly Father. An eternity, the Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And God gives us this, uh, this time 
So let's, let's think about that a little bit today and think about what God has planned for us. A story I'd like to use is um, from John chapter 11, where Jesus, he raises to life again Lazarus from the dead. And uh, as, we, as we zero into that, let's just take a minute and, and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for the um, sense of joy that I, I, I sense in the room. Thank you for uh, people's expectations and the fact that you have called us to be a people ready, a people ready for you. Lord, would you direct us and, and lead us as we uh, examine your word this morning? Would you uh, show us insights and encourage us? For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, life is very unpredictable, and so then death is very unpredictable. This um, service I was mentioning with uh, Angel and Ray's family, you know, someone in their 30s passes away. It just, you don't expect that, you know, um, when you have to put to rest and go to a funeral or even plan a funeral. The um, um, Memo's wife was just saying, I, I never expected to have to do this. His teenage girls not prepared for a death, you know, and, and so often, so often, death is it's unpredictable. Now, there's times when we see the end coming. There's times when doctors predict you've got so long to live. But for most of us, that's not the case. For most of us, it's uh, unexpected. In Jesus' day, even more so. A lot less medical predictions and a lot less certainty when um, Jesus was told of Lazarus being sick, um, he didn't make a trip right away. Even though it was only a couple of miles from Bethany to where he was at, the um, Lord didn't go. We don't know all the reasons why, but he does tell us. He gives us an insight. He says he's going to allow God to be glorified through this process. And I think that's the, the message for all of us today. On his arrival, verse 17 of chapter 11, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Put yourself in Martha's case for a minute. She's probably pretty bewildered. Why did not Jesus come? Why did Jesus not make the two-mile trek while her brother was sick? And why is there this four-day delay I don't know that all the answers, but you see it unfold here. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Catch in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. When the Jews said, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more was deeply moved and he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, but by this time there's a bad odor for it's been there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. It's like in a way he's saying, are you ready? Are you ready for a miracle? Are you ready for something wonderful to take place? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus was all about getting people ready, getting this group ready, getting them prepared. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud, loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know, there was a period of time when Jesus was waiting. Jesus was waiting because he saw the bigger picture and he wanted to inspire, to encourage, and to get people ready for what was to come. Remember, John the Baptist's whole ministry was described as a ministry of preparation. He said, I've come to get people ready for the master. Get ready for the Savior. And I think our challenge today is to be ready ourselves and to do just what Jesus did here, point people to the readiness for eternity and for what they're about. Because Jesus could prove his power over death, it cemented all the teaching that he was giving. He was teaching about eternity. He was teaching about the, the, the love of the Father. And as he 
brought someone back from the dead, and eventually as he would rise from the dead, it just cemented in their minds. This man who's teaching has power over life and death. Over life, death, hell, and the grave. We should listen to him. We should prepare for what God has in store. Jesus was ready. Even though from the human standpoint, from these two sisters' point, he missed his opportunity to heal him. What Jesus did was greater than healing him from a sickness. This is the, the hallmark of Jesus' ministry. It wasn't just healing people that were sick. It was also calling people forth from the grave. And he's calling you and myself. He's calling all of us to be in that same category. Not just prepared ourselves, but to prepare others as well. Let me uh, talk about David for a minute. Let me talk about David for a minute. You know, David, King David, lost a loved one. King David lost a baby, a child. You know? The Bible says that uh, Nathan went home and uh, look down at verse 18. On the seventh day, the baby died. David's servants were afraid to ask him or to tell him that the baby was dead. They said, look, we all tried to talk to David while the baby was alive, but he refused to listen to us. If we tell him the baby's dead, he may, be do, he may do something awful. David was in mourning. He was in grief while this baby was sick. He was fasting and laying on the ground in sackcloth and ashes. And so when the baby died, they were like worried. Well, well who's going to go tell the king that this baby is dead? And instead of uh, doing something awful, when the servants told him that the baby was dead, he, he, yes, the baby's dead, then David got up from the floor. He did the unexpected. He washed himself. He put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the Lord's house of worship and after that, he went home and asked for something to eat. His servants gave him some food, and he ate. So they're all, this is bewildering behavior. This is not what we expected. Notice this. David's servant said to him, Why are you doing this? When the baby was still alive, you fasted and cried. Now that the baby's dead, you get up and eat food. We don't understand. Here's the answer. Here's the point I think David makes for us. While the baby was still alive, I fasted and I cried out. I thought, who knows? Maybe the Lord will feel sorry for me and let the baby live. But now the baby is dead. Why should I fast? Catch this. I can't bring him back to life. None of us have that power. Someday I will go to him, but he cannot come back to me. See, there was this preparation and readiness, and that would be wise for all of us as we're in a season where we've had a lot of people going home to heaven. We can't bring them back, but we can do just what David said. I can prepare to go to be with them. I can prepare myself, my life, to spend... And, and that's one of the hope focuses for us as believers. The Bible says we grieve, but we don't grieve like people with no hope. We grieve in a different way because we understand that eternity is the final destination. And we are preparing ourselves 
to go be with those. You've got an innocent baby who was obviously ushered into the arms of the Heavenly Father. And you've got David who's mourning the loss, who's grieving the loss, but who gets up and readies himself and says, I can prepare myself. Now, the second thing you can do is take as many people with you as possible. I mean, that's part of the are you ready? (laughs) Are you ready not just to be in Christ's presence forever, but to grab as many people as possible and take them with you? Instead of being lackadaisical, instead of being complacent, instead of being um, quiet about our faith, I think God's calling us like David to say, I'm preparing myself and I want to take as many people as possible. He's giving a verbal testimony to his servants and oh, that we would give a verbal testimony to our brothers and to our sisters. David wanted to be ready. Let me mention another scripture and think for a minute with you about the Apostle Paul. I just love the readiness that he resonates. Catch this verse. This is from 2 Timothy 4.8. For I am now, what? Ready. I am ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord The righteous judge shall give me at that day. And not only to me, but for all them that love his appearing. Paul was uh, was ready. I was reminded this morning about the the, the, kind of the humorous aspect where the, the pastor was asking the congregation, how many of you want to go to heaven? And he said, raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand if you want to go to heaven. Well, there was a, a, a young man who maybe didn't understand a lot, and, and he was sitting in the congregation, and he refused to raise his hand. And everybody else was raising their hand but the little boy. And so the question came down, don't you want to go to heaven, Johnny? He said, well, yeah, someday. I just thought you were getting a load ready for today. <laughs> I wasn't ready yet, you know. Yeah, sometimes that is the case. And you probably know the, the story of the, of the fork, you know this story. Uh, Don and Peggy asked me to tell this story because after every meal, you probably got this from if you ever had a meal with Don and Peggy, they'd always jokingly say, save your fork, save your fork. There's this young woman who was diagnosed with a terminal illness and she was given three months to live. So she was getting her things in order and she contacted this pastor and said, come over to my house and we're going to discuss all the aspects of my final wishes. She told him which song she wanted. This is a lot like Don and Peggy. You know what Don and Peggy told me? He said, we don't care what you do, just preach the gospel. If anybody tells you not to preach, just preach the gospel on, at, our, at our service. We don't care to say anything about us. Just preach the gospel. As, they, um, as this woman brought the song she was going to sing, what was going to be said, what she was going to wear, everything was in order and prepared. So then she said, but there's one more thing. Okay, what is it? I want you to put a fork in my right hand inside the casket, inside the coffin. The pastor's like, what? What is that? Um, woman says, that surprises you, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I'm puzzled by your request. I get a lot of requests, but I've never had a request to put a fork 
in someone's hand inside the coffin. The young woman explained, My grandmother once told me the story, and from that time on, I've always tried to pass along its message to those I love and those are in need of encouragement. In all my years of attending socials and dinners, I always remember when the dishes of the main course were being cleared, someone would inevitably lean over and say, keep your fork, keep your fork. It was my favorite part because I knew something better was coming, like velvety chocolate cake or deep dish apple pie, something wonderful with substance. So I just want people to see me there in the casket with a fork in my hand, and I want them to wonder, what's with the fork? Then I want you to tell them, keep your fork, the best is yet to come. The pastor's eyes welled up with tears, tears of joy, as he hugged the young woman goodbye. He knew this might be one of the last times that he saw her. At the funeral, people were indeed walking by the young woman's casket, and they saw the clothes that she'd picked out. They saw everything exactly right, and they saw this fork placed in her right hand. Over and over, the pastor heard the question, what's with the fork? What's with the fork? Why the fork? And over and over, he just, he just smiled. He just smiled. But during the message, the pastor told the people of this conversation that he'd had with this young lady. He told them about the fork and what it symbolized to her, this the best is yet to come. He told the people how he could not stop thinking about the fork and told them that they probably would not be able to stop thinking about it either. So he was right. The next time you reach down for your fork, just remember, the best is yet to come. In this lady's mind, in this lady's life, in this lady's spirit, she was ready. She was ready. You get a, a, a terminal diagnosis like that, and, and you can get ready. What about us? Are we ready? Are we excited? And in her case, she wanted to take as many people with her as she could. I think that was Don and Peggy's desire. I think that's their plan, was to take as many people to heaven with them as they could. So let me ask uh, and think with you about this. How do you get ready? How do you get ready? I'll list a couple, four things. First of all, make a commitment. Make a commitment to Jesus Christ, to know and to love Christ. Here would be an easier way. Just let him love you. For, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible says, it doesn't take a lot of effort. In fact, our efforts get us nowhere. It's our trust and our belief. Decide to put Christ first in your life. Show him that you trust him. Show him that you trust him, not by working and earning yourself a place in heaven, but by letting him usher you in, prepare that place for you. Number three, make your relationship with God a priority. Worship him. Pray to him. Listen to him through his word. Just make that relationship the highest priority in your life. And number four, take as many people with you as possible. Don't let it be a selfish thing that you alone are ready. You're not ready until those around you are ready. 
God's calling us to that. I would put it as, uh, I would put it as turn to the Lord, trust in the Lord and his word, thank the Lord, and talk to the Lord. Spend time focusing your attention, your heart, your being on him. God's calling all of us to be ready. Are you ready? Are you ready in your relationship with God? Are you ready by bringing others along with you? Who is it that might need an encouragement from you? Who is it that might need a story like the fork to get more ready, more prepared, and more ready themselves for eternity? Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us to the readiness of the gospel. Thank you for calling us to be excited about our relationship with you. So excited that not only are, are we preparing ourselves and our loved ones, but we're uh, preparing those around us. We're, we're watching and encouraging and, and, and preparing the way, like John the Baptist, for those who don't know you yet. Father, we're asking that uh, you would help us not to last minute it, not to uh, wait too long, but every day and in every way, get ourselves ready for eternity with you, for joy in the presence of God, for glory that only comes from the Master and the Savior. Lord, thank you today for encouraging us. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.